Welcome to Word of Life Family Church, where we strive to grow in our relationship with God, our family, and our community. We believe it's no accident you're listening today, and we pray you'll hear something to strengthen, encourage, and inspire you to fulfill your God-given destiny. Now let's get to the message, which is already in progress. So we're advancing through the problem. Somebody say, I'm advancing through the problem. I'm now, this is a very timely word for some. This could be, also can be a very, um, dare I say, um, challenging word. Um, it can make us angry. Uh, it can make us feel free. It really depends on where we are in our walk in the moment. And what I should say, our season of life. Right? We all know we have seasons. Uh, sometimes it feels like we're in a you know, the depths of winter. Sometimes we feel like we're in the spring and the, the blossom and, the, and all of that. But we always find ourselves in a certain season. And I don't know what season you find yourself in. <clears throat> and I don't really think that God cared about that concern of, you know, I don't want to talk to them about this right now because they might not get it in this season. I don't think, I didn't see God do that. What I saw him say was just declare his word, his truth, and now we can receive it, or we can put it on the shelf, or we can ask God, break every wall down, everything that would try to hinder me from listening and hearing this truth today. I, I, I want to lay it down because I need what you have. We kind of have to believe that God knows more than I know and we know. We kind of have to just be sold out in the idea that even though I think I know what I need, He knows better than that. Now, that doesn't always feel good, especially as a proud American. I want to declare my own destiny. I want to, I want to be my own man. I want to do what I want to do. And those, we live in an amazing country with that opportunity. But the idea is that even though we are free in this country, we are not bound by anything else other than what Christ Jesus has laid for us. And if we will receive that truth, he says that truth will set us free. Does that make sense? And so, yes, we are willingly saying, God, I'm going to lay down my life, and I know that you know better. And so that's my prayer today as we continue in this series. Let's pray. Father, we hear your word today. Not only, Father, do we should we hear it from our ears, but now, God, I pray that our hearts hear it. My mind is open to it. Because I know that your word is truth, and it's life. God, I know that I need every morsel of who you are to walk through this life. Not only do I need everything, Father, not only do I need that for my own sake, but more importantly, God, I need it for those that don't know you's sake. Because I need to be a light. I need to be a, a hope giver. I need to be a peace reminder. And so, God, I pray that in this moment, in this time, as we walk through your word, God, we would put everything that would try to hinder every preconceived idea, every passion that we have outside of who you are, we put it down in this moment. And we're humbled, and we're ready with great anticipation for who you are. 
We'll listen to you today. We'll, we'll take notes of you today. Father, I thank you that we won't be the same today. We'll be transformed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Amen. So how do we press on despite obstacles? How do we press on despite um, the, the, the sicknesses, pain, crises, financial issues, uh, world challenges, uh, home life challenges? How do we press on? Well, if we read back, we'll read first, uh, the first chapter of Philippians chapter 12, verse 13. This is Paul's writing. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, at first glance, I would recognize that this doesn't seem like a hoorah, yippee kind of awesome idea. But understand that, see, he's saying something by faith. He's saying that he's actually, no matter what we're facing, the gospel can be advanced. No matter what my circumstances look like, no, even no matter how I feel, the gospel can be advanced. And in fact, sometimes we find ourselves in a place as we're working, we're pressing in, and we're, we're doing a thing that actually, I'll say it like this, sometimes we think that if we are hard-pressed and challenged, that we don't have a voice to, to share the gospel about. I, I just want you to know that's the enemy trying to close the mouth of the righteous. And try to close the mouth of the truth of God, of who he is. That God didn't say, I need you to be perfect so you can do my will. In fact, he, he, all through the Old Testament we find how imperfect we are. And so he said, you know what? I've got a plan. Now, the truth is he had the plan even at the beginning of the Old Testament. God always has a plan. And by the way, his plan is always awesome. It's always good, no matter what we see or how we see it. Now, we have our own perspectives, and we don't always see the way God sees, but I can guarantee God's good all the time. And he's so good that he sent Christ Jesus so that we could stand in faith, stand in truth, and stand in here, and so we can look at these things. And so last week as we talked about this, uh, I should stop moving, Paul was... First point I made last week was this, and, and this was kind of a silly point maybe and, and kind of caught you off guard. Because we're talking about this, Paul wrote this, and he says, you know what? The advancing truth of the matter is that Paul was a convict in prison while he wrote this. Now, I know that doesn't sound like something you would, you would declare, you would remind yourself, but it's good and interesting to get the right perspective. That Paul somehow found the place... That no matter what, the existence of a problem or the non-existence of the problem had nothing to do with the, with the Father, what God can do in that moment and that time. Listen, not having problems is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Praise God that he carries us through and sometimes, and, 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 and I'm certainly not saying, come on, give me problems. I, I desire no problems. I desire to, to do that. But it doesn't... Praise the Lord Jesus. <laughs> I don't like holding my 
I don't like holding a microphone because I wail my arms too much. Turn me up just a little bit because I'm going <coughs> to tend to pull this away from me. <clears throat> Jesus himself reminds us as we're facing issues. He says this in John chapter 16, verse 33. This is Jesus' words, mind you. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. Don't worry. Don't, don't be in fear. Don't be in, in despair. Yeah, you're going to face the problem. No problem. We're going to face the problem. No problem. He says, because why? I, God, has overcome the world. And if you're in Him, guess what? You too have overcome the world. Anything the world, the prince of this world, the darkness, the enemy, the... the uh, uh, Bill Mackey calls it the lop-eared. I don't know what that means, but it sounds mean, so I like it. Because the devil is a punk. And he's been overcome. And so we understand that though Jesus warned us, he warned us because he didn't want us to be blindsided. And it doesn't mean you, the enemy will come. He's the accuser of the brethren. And he comes and he says, listen, you got a problem. If you're facing an issue or challenge and you're kind of hard-pressed... Maybe you're not as good of a Christian as you thought you are. This is what the enemy says. This is not what God says, by the way. This is not what God says. God does say, he promises that I'm going to walk with you. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Because I'm with you. And so we get this truth. We understand that we're going to face issues, but we can, like Paul, we can get to the point where we can still, the gospel can still be advanced. The goodness of God can still be advanced in, even in the problem and in the issue. And this is the truth in Paul's life. And this is why we have this letter to help remind us and encourage us to say, I've I've not faced the things that Paul has, yet he was able to do more in, in, than a lot of people. While in prison. That's right. While being a convict. Now my religiousness says, oh, I wouldn't listen to him because, you know, he's he's kind of in the dungeon right now and I don't know. God doesn't change his mind about us because of where we find ourselves. That's right. Now I will say this. We have a we have a responsibility to live to the fullest of who God is. Not to exercise in sin, but to exercise in the righteousness that he made us. Amen. To make good decisions, we have choices. Right. I'm not saying that. Right. But I'm saying that because we're human and he knew us, and He, because of what he knew about us, that we were going to mess up, he sent Jesus to erase the curse so that we could fulfill the call, so we could do what God told us to do, and we could advance to every problem so that, like Paul, we could see the problem and say, ah, I see this as an opportunity to advance the gospel. I don't like it, God. I don't like to face or feel this way, but guess what? I don't walk by feeling. I walk by faith. Sorry, I'm yelling. Sorry, not sorry. The The second point... I said last week, we're still preaching last week, is our spiritual maturity is measured, is it measured by our, excuse me, our spiritual maturity is measured by our response to the problem, not by the absence of them. Not by the absence. I, I said with the squeeze test. 
So, so what we're saying is that we're going to face problems. So I'm hoping that I'm not trying to glorify the problem, but I'm trying to let us rest easy. If you find yourself in a place of challenge and issue, hey, you're in good company. Because Jesus did too. <laughs> but he overcome the world. And that's what he called you. In fact, he says you're more than conquerors yeah. in Christ Jesus. Amen? Yeah. <clears throat> Look how Paul, again, how he responded. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He didn't curse and whine and about his situation. He said, because of this situation, God's going to turn what the enemy meant for evil for good. Now that's easy to say when we're doing well. I catch that. I get that. But at the same time, is it really even as powerful to say it when you're doing well than if you can claim it when you're not? I think it's much more weighty. I think it's much more life-changing. When you can have the joy of the Lord despite what you face. Because the joy of the Lord is not faced is not based on circumstance or feeling. It's based on that it's a gift from God. That He deposited the fruit of the Spirit of joy in our lives when we receive Christ. I've got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Remember that song? Yes. Thank you, that you could recognize that was a song, in fact, after I just sang. <laughs> Listen, we have to remind ourselves, God deposited the joy of the, of the Lord in our hearts. And it's deposited in it for a reason. So that we can withdraw in the time of need. He wouldn't put joy in us if he didn't think we were going to need it. So when we face an issue or a challenge, we should not be like concerned or worried. We could say, hey, God gave, give me something for that. He's giving me a pill. The gospel. Okay, that was a lame dad joke. You got it. Sorry, my dad. Three times over. I can't help it. It's in the blood. The third thing I said last week is this, is that instead of asking the whys, now we can get stuck in the whys. Instead of asking the whys, we should be asking what? What's the next step for? Because the why, we got to be careful with the why. I know we want answers. I know we want answers. And uh, let me give you the answer. We don't have the answer. He is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's right. And I don't know, I could say, maybe we could say this, maybe it's crass a little bit to say it's above our pay grade. Sometimes, some of these answers, we just need to lay down and let God be God. Mm -hmm. I, I'm reminding myself, don't worry, I'm, I'm like, I'm preaching to me now, so you guys are just listening, I appreciate it. I'm just reminding myself because I need to understand and I need to realize that though I'm going to face issues and challenges, listen, I can't, I can't let the spirit of the enemy and what he's trying to do dictate my verbiage, my words, my, my thinking, and who I am. 
I have to lean on the identity that he says I have in Christ. We all do. And so we can't stay in the and hang out in the whys. Why is this? Why do we do this? Why God? Why God? Why God? And I know we're all there. And guess what? There's therefore no condemnation. God, I thank you that you see grace and mercy on me when I play in the mud that way. I thank you, God, that you always cleanse me. Why God? Why God? Why opens the door to the works of the flesh every time? Every time I hang out in the wise, I get another bag of potato chips. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't all of those things, but I do like to have potato chips, by golly. Sometimes when I'm in the wise, I eat three bags of potato chips. Do you, do you understand what I mean? That you, if you entertain the why, you will stay in the flesh, and you will do things that you don't want to do, That's right. and you will not feel better. In fact, after you eat three bags of potato chips, by the way, they were one of my favorites. You feel sick. Yeah. Just let you know. <laughs> all that oil and preservative and all of that stuff just like, mm, well, kind of making me feel nauseous right now. Just think about it. Listen, it takes us further than we want to go. It makes us sicker than we think. When we entertain the flesh, when we hang out there, and it, oh, it's feeding, it's feeding, it's feeding, it's feeding the soul, not the spirit of God. We got to be careful. Because whys will keep us in anger. The why will keep us in jealousy. The why will keep us in bitterness, unforgiveness. And those are all killers for the Spirit of God in us. Why opens the door to discouragement? There's enough discouragement in this world. I don't need to help the enemy out there. And so I need to close that door. And in fact, the whys that we wallow in at times, that doesn't even change the circumstance. It doesn't change a thing except for our it stifles our joy. The what, however, the what leads us to the Father. The what leads us to victory. When the prodigal son, instead of saying, why me, woe is me, oh, I can't believe this. When he said, what, if he said, you know what? He said, even the servants are eating better. I'm going to go be a servant. I'll be better than I am now. I'm getting out, out of this pig pen, and I'm going back to the father's house. You see, the what helps us to stand up, to brush it off, and go to the father. What leads you to victory? Why keeps you in defeat? So Paul's crisis, his problem, his challenge, helped to fulfill a mission that we can be overcomers even when we don't see the overcomingness. I know it's not a word, but just go with me on that one. Right? It's a reminder that, man, there's it could be a lot worse. And God delivered him from much worse than what I'm facing in this moment and in this time. And if God can do it to him, he said he's no respecter of person. So if he'll do it for him, he'll do it for me because I'm his child just the same as Paul was his child. That's a good place for you to say amen. Yes, me too, Lord. Amen.
I'm going to keep reading a little bit more in Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 and 17. It says, it was, It's true that some preach Christ out of, every, out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The, later, the latter do so out of love, out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 17, the former, former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincere, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Verse 18, I like this one, but what does it matter? The important thing is, is that in every way, whether false motive or true, Christ is preached. That was a convicting word for me. And because of this, he says, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. So this leads us to our fourth point. First point today, fourth point of the installment. When we are attacked with the problems with the trials of this life, we need to find the good to celebrate. We need to find good to celebrate. We need to find good. There are good things. Um, Jesus found himself in a place of suffering, crucified, horrific, horrific things. Somehow he found that there was a something to celebrate. And that celebration was the fact that because of that suffering, he was going to wipe away the suffering that we were doomed to by being human. He broke the curse. He found something to celebrate. I don't think that Jesus was like, I can't wait to get to the cross. I can't wait to be beaten. I'm sure he didn't because it says that he, he was, as he was praying, knowing what he was doing, he was sweating drops of blood. There was anguish in his heart. He had hope of, of the truth in the future, but he was human. We know he was human again because when his friend, when he found his friend that Lazarus was dying or had died, it says he wept. Which I appreciate. I know it's the shortest. Most people know it because that's the shortest uh, verse in the Bible. But it also shows the humanness of Christ. Because right. sometimes, okay, a lot of times I feel really human. And I take such solace in the fact that Jesus too felt human. He had emotion. We have to celebrate the good. The good. The important thing is that Christ. Paul saying, "Listen, the good is that Christ is being preached." You have to understand that when the Philippian church heard that Paul was in prison again, they didn't cower for whatever reason. They 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 realized, like, man, God must be really doing something amazing if Paul's back in prison again. Let's get out there and tell everybody how good God is. It was like they found a place, the church found a place, a place where they would rise up to, 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 to wake up the inner giant in them, to let the lion of the tribe of Judah roar through them of who God was, even despite the challenge and the issue. The gospel was advancing. 
we got to be praising in the midst of the storm. We said that again, and I know we, we just got off a series. We pretty much talked about praise every Sunday for 10 weeks. But I'll remind you again, praise always sets our heart on the answer, not the problem. It refocuses us on the truth in the life. It refocuses who, we, who, who he is and how big he is and how magnificent he is. We heard that this morning. A reminder how great he is. Praise always sets your heart. And when your heart is right, so the rest of you will follow. Why could Paul rejoice? Because he was... When, he tried to, when they tried to shut him down from preaching the gospel, listen, it ignited a revolution within the church. If you're feeling hard pressure, you're like, man, this is not... Know that it's in, within us is rising a revolution of God's love and His truth and His goodness. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 said, What the enemy meant for evil, God turned for That's good, news. That's good news. Philippians chapter one verse nineteen says, "For I know that though your prayers and God, I know that through your prayers and God's provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance." What a mindset! Verse twenty. I eagerly expect. In other words, I have great expectation. I expect God's going to do something great. He was measuring his pressures by the idea, oh man, if I'm being pressured, that means God's doing something big. I appreciate that, and that is God's truth. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. This problem, he says this. He says, this problem is going to advance the gospel. Amen. Don't go look for problems. <laughs> Just throw that out there. Does it make you more holy if you have problems? Does it make you more holy if you don't have problems? You understand what I mean? Let's stay in balance here. Paul is saying that one way or another, I'm going to press in. I'm going to press on. I'm going to win the prize. The devil can't stop me from winning the prize that God called me for. God himself promised we are the overcomers. This isn't a Pastor Jason. This isn't a Pastor Terry. This isn't a, a just a fun, exciting, you know, wait, yay, thank you for encouraging me. This is God's truth. It's His words. Amen. And His words are right on. They're backed by His power, His promise, by His truth. Number five, our last one today as we finish up this part of this series is this. A setback is a setup for a comeback. 
a setup, a setback is a setup for a comeback. Paul could have sat in prison. He could have said, well, ministry's over. I'm closing up shop. I'm done for. If he would have done that, let's see, I could have ripped out. (laughs) If he would have done that, And if God's no respecter of persons, he cares for you as much as he cared for Paul. Then that setback is a setup for a comeback. Paul said no. He said this. He says, this is a momentary thing. Right? He was saying, I, I can't get back to you to preach to you right now in person. But I'm going to inspire you right here for where I am right in this moment. I can live for Jesus in the middle of it, out of it. I can live for Jesus. Period. How about Joseph? Joseph is a beautiful example. His brothers, out of jealousy, sold him into slavery, faked his death to their father. Years later, he became exalted to number two guy over the whole land. And they had to, had to show up to him for food in a famine. But the enemy meant for evil, God turned for good. Amen. Doesn't mean we're going to be free of issues and challenges. But God has plans. Yes. Joseph's response in 50-20 says, You intended it to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Because the truth of it is is that because Joseph found his place where he was and he had the insight and he listened to the Lord, he stored up when in the time of, of, of great, more than enough, the great harvest, he stored it up ready for when the famine hit. And I think that's what the Lord is trying to say today. I don't know if you find yourself in a famine. I don't know if you find yourself in a place where, and you're just feeling the harvest. When you're in the harvest store, when you're in the famine, rest assured God's got your back. For those who foreknew, he also predestined to conform to the image of his son, verse 29, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is Romans, sorry, Romans chapter 28, verse 31. 30 here, what says, And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. You guys have all heard of a catapult? Uh, I've used this analogy before. It's a device which accumulates tension. And when it's suddenly released, it launches an object some distance in a specific direction. Imagine that challenge, that issue. You're 
it's accumulating tension, listen, I, I, what this thing is trying to do is going to advance. This is my other <laughs> great advantage, uh, analogy. It's rubber band. Rubber band's pretty good. It's supposed to hold things together, right? But it doesn't hold anything together like this. The power of the rubber band is happens in the stretch. The purpose of a rubber band is not to be just limp. The actual purpose is to be stretched so that it can do its job. Amen. What I'm trying to say is though we are going to be stretched in life, Instead of the enemy trying to tell us, oh man, I can't believe you're being stretched. I can't believe you're facing this issue. You are not the believer. We say, no, God. No, no, Satan. God called me to be more than enough. Anybody sleeping? Just kidding. <laughs> We're all going to get stretched. But praise be to God that God, in his supernatural wisdom and in his love, took care of that issue. That as we are stretched, that he, somehow, some way, he can take that trouble, that issue, that challenge, and he can make it to advance the gospel, to better us, even in the midst of it. I don't look forward to them, but when I look at them, I say, ah... This is my setup for a comeback. In other words, you could say it like this. If I see a lot of things hard-pressed and pushed down, that must mean that God is shaking it up and it's about ready to overflow. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to end there. I have three more pages, but we'll let that go. Somebody say, press on. Press on. Paul said, I press on for the prize, which God has called me heavenward through Christ Jesus. I want to remind you that this is only, this only, the only way this happens is through Christ Jesus. You can't do it without it. Don't do it without it. Don't even try it. We're not strong enough. We're not good enough. We're not gifted enough. There's a lot of giftings. A lot of awesome people here watching online. There's a lot of awesome people in this world. But without Jesus, without Christ, without the Savior... We're not going to be able to do what God has called us to do. Bottom line. So with every eye bowed, eye closed, and head bowed, let's pray this. That we would know Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Word of Life Family Church. If you're ever in the area, please join us for one of our Sunday services at 10 a.m., or for Bible study on Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. 
For more information, check out our website at wordoflifefamilychurch.org or call us at 715-339-2207. Thanks for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you. Yeah.